I'm Joe. And we're married, and we like making each other watch movies that we like. Hey, Joe. Hi. What did we watch this week? This week, we watched One Day. Yes. Yes. We did. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about the movie? Well, the movie is about a woman and a man. Um, Anne Hathaway is, plays the woman. And, uh, uh, is it Jared Leto plays the man? No, no Jim Sturgis. Mm-hmm. That's, they're the same person to me. Um, and it takes place on the same day... Every year for a certain amount of years. Mm -hmm. So it starts out when they're young and it ends when they die or one of them dies. (laughs) Starts in like the 80s and ends in like 2006 or something like that. Right? I think it was like 2010 or something. Okay. But yes. The year the film came out probably. Mm -hmm. Something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's about their torrid relationship as they decide whether or not they love each other over the course of 40 years and um I don't know like that's what it's about right (laughs) they get married they get divorced they become successful they they hit high points and low points and throughout it all the one consistent point in their life is each other Mm -hmm. until it isn't yeah yeah so we watched this one around Valentine's Day Mm-hmm. It is now early March because <laughs> remember when we said we were going to do an episode once every other week? Well, we lied. <laughs> like most New Year's resolutions, we gave it up after about the second try. Uh, so yeah, why did you want me to watch this film? I suppose is the question that we should start with. Well, so I read the book that this movie was based on. Okay. I read it... I want to say either our freshman or, ju- or freshman or sophomore year of college. I very I think freshman year is when I remember you talking about it for the first time. Yeah, because uh, I went to the grocery store by myself once, and I was like, I really want a new book to read. So I browsed the aisles, and I saw the cover of this book, and I was like, Oh, I'll read that. Oh, you bought you bought a grocery store book. Mm-hmm. Well, Meyer is, I guess, technically not just a grocery store. They it's got, a superstore. I guess. Uh, so I saw this there, and I decided to read it. For those of you listening not in the Midwest of America, Meyer is like Walmart, but less evil and less trashy. But essentially the same idea. Sure. And the color scheme is red. <laughs> like Target, but not so faux bougie. Pseudo bougie. <laughs> it it knows it's middle class and it's fine with it. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so I bought this book and I read it and I devoured it. I loved the book. And then the end happened. And I'm pretty sure I told you about it when I was reading it. You did. I read the end. You did? Yeah, you showed it to me. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Because, okay, so the whole story is this big buildup. Like, they meet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they come back together every year, like not only on that one day, but the book and the movie focuses on that one day each yeah. year. Hence it's the name one day. Device, yeah. Um, and it's like July something. It's Saint Somebody's Day. Um, Saint what? Somebody. I can't remember Saint the name. Saint Somebody's Day? No, I can't remember the name. Saint uh, Somebody. All right. Saint Somebody. Patron Saint of, uh, something. of What's It's. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so plum bobs. So you kind of th- you you see their relationship unfolding throughout the years through this one day, and mm-hmm. you kind of get the big picture just from one day each year. Yeah, and I think that's kind of cool, um, and it sort of makes the story more compact than you know your typical fairy tale they meet and fall in love and the whole rest of the movie is going to follow them mm-hmm. throughout the whole rest of their lives um so why i wanted you to read that or watch this movie probably because i like the book so much mm-hmm. and because i say this a lot on the show and it makes me sound like i don't have any uh more parameters for movies i like aside from i really like 
stories that do interesting things with time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this... Yeah, somebody go back and make a mashup of all the time she says that. <laughs> probably once every episode. It's my movie, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I kind of liked how it wasn't... It Maybe you have a different opinion, but it didn't really feel like a cheap trick, you know? To make this story unique. I want you to <laughs> want me. Good song. Um, but it it seemed sort of plausible to me that these two people would come back to each other sort of like a tradition every year. But that's not what they did, though, right? Like, they just knew each other and were seeing snapshots that just so happened to be on the same day. Right, yes. Okay. However, they, they do sort of make it a point if they hadn't seen each other in a while to call or whatever around that time it seems like okay um anyway so i wanted you to watch this because you already knew the ending and like and you knew how much it frustrated me Mm -hmm. it frustrated me too yeah so and seeing the movie i'm incredibly frustrated yeah um i will say i liked the book a lot better than i liked the movie Mm -hmm. um but i still I still enjoyed uh, Jim Sturgis and Anne Hathaway in this movie. I thought they did it pretty well. Um, but yeah, basically I wanted to show it to you because it was based on a book that I liked and the movie was good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this yeah, movie. Let, I have a lot of things to say. Lay them on me. I guess the first thing, because it's less impactful, but was immediately the most frustrating thing to me about the movie is why in hell did they take two American actors Jim Sturgis is British not with that accent he isn't I'm pretty sure he's British why did they take okay why did they take one British actor and one very American actress and make them both British He's definitely British. Is he definitely British? Definitely British. Well, he has a terrible British accent. <laughs> it's, his, it's not an accent, it's his voice. Well, he's got a terrible voice. Okay. And that's the guy who played in the Beatles musical movie, which was... Across the universe. Boring. Um, okay, why did they have Anna Hathaway in this movie, though? Did they just not have access to British women when this movie came out? Because her accent is awful. If I had never seen her before, if I didn't know she was an American actress, mm-hmm. like if I didn't know who Anne Hathaway was, if I'd never seen Savage or The Princess Diaries or Colossal or Batman or whatever, I would look at her and I would say, does she have some sort of speech impediment? Is she a deaf woman who they taught to speak? Like, why is her accent so bad? In fact... Going, if you'll rewind three minutes, her accent is so bad in this movie. I thought it it made the other guy seem American too. <laughs> well, and okay, I thought Jim Sturgis was American the entire time because he plays American and across the universe and does a convincing American accent, unlike uh, Anne Hathaway's British. So I guess I guess my question is moot. Because my big point was going to be, why did they take two American lead actors and place them in Britain with two British accents? If, like, why would they do that? Why wouldn't they just make the movie American like they did with the Big Little Eyes TV show? Where they're like, we have three great, four great uh, actresses, but they're all American, so we're just going to take the location and move it from Australia to California. Mm -hmm. And now we just don't have to worry about that. Um, I'm not sure why, but every actor slash actress, every performer in this movie was American or was British except for Anne Hathaway and the person who played uh, Dexter's mom. Everybody else is British. Okay. Why didn't they just have her just do the American accent? I don't know because she was British in the book. I I I have no excuses. Her accent was terrible. Okay. I'm not going to try and right. offend her. I just again. Like, like there are British actresses yes. 10 years ago, right? Like, they existed. Why didn't they just grab one? I don't like know. Anne Hathaway is a fine actress, but there's nothing that special about her performance that's like, ah, yes. Like, 
that was the payoff or, or that that was the 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 compromise right like man her british accent is terrible but we needed Anne Hathaway for this role. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing about Anne Hathaway that embodies that role so much that, like... I mean, she's just playing the same character that she always plays in rom-coms, just with a British accent. I just... I, again, my initial point was moot, because I thought Jim Sturgis was also American, and you can see where having two lead actors... Especially when it's not a period piece... Mm-hmm. It's not some, like, strange, like, exotic location, like, India or something, you know? Like, it's not like, I don't know. My initial point is moot. So we shall move on to the more pressing matters. Because I don't think I'm going to screw up here. <laughs> um, the beginning of the movie starts with the last year, right? That they go to? No, the second to last because they do another year after she dies mm-hmm. with him and her ex-husband. Mm-hmm. So the movie begins with her last year. Anne Hathaway, she walks out of her house I, or somewhere like that, gets on a bike, and heads toward a street. Mm-hmm. And it cuts. And then you watch the entire movie. And then it plays the first scene again, only it doesn't cut this time. She just gets hit by a bus and dies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, that's the movie. <laughs> the movie is it's two young people who have a tumultuous relationship. They're on again, off again. They're hot and they're cold. Uh, they're in, then they're out. They're they're right, then they're wrong. What's the Katy Perry song? I'm trying to do the Katy Perry Hot and song. cold. Yeah. But that's incorrect. What's incorrect? She doesn't die? They're not on and off throughout the movie. They literally never get together until the second to last year. I suppose that's true. So they're they're somewhere between cold and lukewarm. I couldn't quite make tea in them, but it does get warmer than I would drink without some sort of flavoring. <laughs> Whatever you say. Okay. So the whole the whole movie leads up to them getting together. Mm-hmm. One time, Mm -hmm. finally admitting their love to each other. Because the whole movie, whether or not they're on again or off again, they're they're either in love with each other or not. Mm -hmm. And too afraid to say it Mm -hmm. or not. Uh, It's it's very much like the Rick Astley song. We've (laughs) known each other for so long. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it. Inside we both know what's been going on. But I digress. So the movie starts you off with not necessarily a foreboding beginning, if you hadn't seen the book. Does it Does it have a title card with the year right at the beginning before it goes back to the title? I don't think so. Okay. Because the movie isn't so long that they, like, age them, aside from just changing their hairstyles. Mm-hmm. So she just looks like a contemporary woman out for a bike ride in the English countryside, or... I guess my countryside, in the city of London, or some other similar-looking city. Mm-hmm. And then we start in the 80s. Now, the movie leads you up to the point where she gets hit by a car and dies. Mm-hmm. It's by a bus. Dies. Mm-hmm. Much like the ending of Mean Girls. It's really <laughs> the only thing that they have to do with each other. Yep. Um, aside from women are also in it. I don't know why it's taking me so long to get to this point. I don't either. And I think it's because as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And then I'm going to have to spend 45 minutes defending it. And I've been waiting for three weeks to to get to this point. (laughs) And I don't, so I'm just wondering how to present it. And I've had three weeks to figure out how to present it. And I haven't been able to figure it out yet. But the point is, they start out like five minutes before she dies. Mm -hmm. And then we go through 30 years of her life Mm -hmm. with this man. And then she dies. And then we end with the man meeting her ex-husband and and saying, like, everything's going to be okay. And then then the credits roll. 
So, I guess I have a couple questions. Is this movie nihilist? Is this a really, really terribly uh, untactful way of, of saying, like, seize the moment? Does this movie hate women? Like... Is she is she the most long drawn out manic pixie dream girl we've ever seen in film? Please answer at least one of these questions so I can get off. I can move forward. Okay. Um, I think the point of the movie is to. It's kind of hard to like put it into one. I mean. With regards to regard, sorry, <laughs> to my point of there's no falling action to this movie. It is all rising action, and the climax is her brains get splattered across a London street because she didn't look left or right. I disagree. I think the falling action of this movie is after she dies. We still have another ten or fifteen minutes of. It's, I don't know. It's more of, of like a like a like a Danny Moir. Of Dexter sort of having his breakdown for a moment reverting back to his old terrible ways and then coming back out of it talking to the husband saying everything's going to be okay and realizing that being with Emma for however long or short of a time you want to say they were together like changed him and made him a better person and so she impacted his life and now that she's gone he's still going to try to live in the way that she made him feel like he was able to live. Hmm. Because throughout the story, Dexter is like a playboy. He's addicted to drugs at some point. He's a really terrible TV presenter. He mm-hmm. gets made fun of all the time. He's kind of a slime ball. And then as the years kind of go by, he starts to settle down and realize that that's not who he is. And so he gets a job in some factory or whatever or like laboratory or something yeah something like that and then he slowly starts to try to become the person that he wants to be for emma and he realizes that that's the true him and all the other stuff that he's been doing has just been because he couldn't have emma because he well he thought he couldn't have emma because he didn't think it was good enough for her or whatever mm-hmm. hmm <laughs> <clears throat> I've been having this crisis a lot when when watching movies, a lot lately. And I think I really noticed it while watching Black Panther, which we're not going to talk about here. Um, you ever watch a movie and it, like, makes a statement, like a philosophical statement, and you just, like, wholeheartedly disagree? I don't know. What do you, what do you disagree with? Like, everything you just said... Like, I agree that that's, like, the the, the most correct interpretation of the movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very objective, this is what happened, and this is the, the obvious character development. But, like, the message behind that, right? Or, or the, the methodology of getting to what that message is, I just, like, I disagree with. Or I think it's, like, incorrectly presented. Because if, if the point is for you to see yourself within Dexter and and to realize that success is defined by you and not society and that the only person that you need to find acceptance from are people that you accept and, you know... Loving the one you're with is the most important thing. If, if you take all that from this movie, which I, I think you could, right? Am I on a, a path that is at least parallel to yours? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I feel like this story, the ending that it has, or at least the climax that it has... Is incorrect. And I don't know if I'm using the word incorrect correctly. However, that is the word that comes to mind when I see it. Right? And 
I'm I have all these questions as to narratively why does this character have to die for that realization to come about in 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 this other character what about all of the things about this character who we have spent an hour and a half cultivating and and growing and showcasing to the audience is the lesson that Dexter learns that much more important than anything she could have learned and if you watch the movie from her her perspective which i feel like maybe i was doing a little bit more knowing that she was dying at the end um what does that movie tell you right if if you identify with anne hathaway's character the entire film what does that what does the film tell tell you what urgency does it give you because if you're watching it from dexter's point of view The urgency it gives you is that the people you love aren't going to be around forever, whether you're going to push them away or they're going to leave or they're going to get hit by a bus because they don't know how to look both ways before crossing the street. That you should love with with some immediacy and and you should be true to yourself and everything. But if you watch it from Anne Hathaway's perspective, having her get killed for seemingly only emotional effect, what does this story do for you? Uh, well, I feel like they talked about that. She had had feelings for Dexter this entire time and she never told him. So maybe it's a, you know what you want, go get it before it's too late kind of thing. She waited until, unbeknownst to her, a year before she dies to tell him. Mm -hmm. And then she just wasted all that time. Mm -hmm. I think that's the the biggest part on her side of the story is that she... She was very wishy-washy in everything that she wanted, but she always knew that she loved Dexter, but she never told him or went after him or anything. And that's kind of what the story, what the movie ended on. They sort of flashed back to the beginning with them uh, after graduation, them going up on that big hill mm-hmm. and saying what would have happened if they decided to go home together that first very first night. Mm-hmm. Or I guess it was the next day after they already went home together once and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so yes, I think that's the message from her side of the story is don't wait to go after what you want. Don't let yourself be distracted by all of these other things that you don't know if you want, if you know you want one thing. Don't, you know, second guess yourself. Don't let other things get in the way because life is short. If you don't go after what you want, you might never get it. Okay. So it's sort of the same same sort of lesson for Dexter, but presented in a slightly different way. I think so. And so it's just a slightly different flavor of the same frozen yogurt. <clears throat> and I don't know why I'm so upset about her dying. Because I, as we have seen through... 50% of the episodes that I have <laughs> that that we have covered on this show, I have absolutely no problem with characters that we either love, know well, don't know, don't matter to the story or any amount in between those extremes just getting slaughtered for visual effect. Mm-hmm. I have no problems with violence, I have no problems with death, I have no problems with meaningless, nihilistic, empty, bleak Deadly, deathly, death, death, black, death, death. Maybe it's so shocking to me because the movie is presented as a romantic, not quite comedy. It's fun. I don't know if I'd call it a straight up romance though, would you? No, like romantic drama maybe. Okay. As, yes, as, as a, it is presented to be not quite so heavy and serious as it ends up being. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost that feeling that you get when you get one of those like Saturday after school special movies, but no one tells you that that's what it is. And it starts off and you're like, there's these kids and they're having fun. And then like one of them dies from doing heroin and everyone's like sad for an hour. And you're like, oh my god, like I've been true I've been duped into something. But then the lesson becomes this lesson that 
Like, I don't know. Like, I agree with, with the whole, like, if you're in love with someone, don't wait idea. But there's also the nuance of, if you're not sure, maybe that's your answer. Or if you're that afraid, maybe that's your answer. Which which is a very unromantic sort of thing to, to think that, like... I mean, it, with with regard to our relationship, we both knew what we wanted and went after it, and now we've been together for ten years and we're in our mid twenties. Mm-hmm. But in in such a long drawn out, wishy washy, anxiety filled, whatever, you know, maybe just maybe you, maybe you just don't. Well, and... You know, maybe you just, like, move to another city and forget him and find someone better. See, but the problem is they were also friends. And they both did move other places and they both did have other relationships. But deep down inside or in the back of their mind, they knew that they were supposed to be together. Or that they wanted to be together. Also, my thing is... I don't know why why you're... You're you're going so hard on this movie because like we've watched so many other movies where there's I don't want to say there's like no message or there's no like overall point or whatever, but we have. And so I'm just wondering why why you're so down on the message of this movie. Like, is it the fact that it's not, you know, like a typical fairy tale, they lived happily ever after, and that's what you're expecting? No, well, because I knew she was going to die. I, I know that's what that's what right? I'm saying. I knew, I knew, I knew the artistic device of one day a year, and I knew she was going to die. Like that's it. Uh, and so when you give me those two threads, I'm expecting something, right? Because that's ambitious. And I'm I'm I don't want to say that I don't think that this movie failed or bit off more than it can chew or you know its eyes were bigger than its stomach or that it had eaten an appetizer before heading into the golden corral or or whatever mm-hmm. because i don't think it did because i liked the movie i thought it was a, a good movie you did yeah <laughs> i haven't no. found that out I, yet i i enjoyed my time spent watching the movie but all of my time that I've spent thinking about the movie just fills me with with um, with cold pricklies, you know, as, as opposed to warm fuzzies. And it's not even a satisfying despair in the pit of my stomach, like like indie movies like Before I Disappear or Burn, Burn, Burn or or something like that, Some, something that like did set out to make you cry with this message of mortality and and urgency and stuff. So maybe I'm saying that the tone was just weird or they did something with the tone because there was no like there were no hints aside from the first scene. But like nothing about the way it was shot or the music or or anything was that foreboding. If you didn't know the story. Yeah. And so I'm just having a hard time with it because I'm stuck somewhere in between. It's a well put together movie, decently well acted aside from one of the accents. And, you know, it looked fine. So then do you think you would have enjoyed this movie more or not have those cold prickly feelings if you did not know the ending before you watched it? I think it'd be worse to tell you the truth. Well, again, as to be as as vague as I can with with Black Panther, because I don't want to ruin ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen it. But like, I enjoyed that movie. But the the certain thing that you and I have talked about that I have a big issue with is also like a major part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more nuanced in that movie than than this message that we're talking about with one day. But it's that same sort of thing. And it's like... Like, if I were to watch a movie that was incredibly pro, like, Wall Street hedge fund manager, you know? And, like, it's a well-put-together movie. You know, like, if they made a good Atlas Shrugged movie, 
you know, and like watching that, you know, or, you know, like, I don't know, like a Nazi propaganda film that was also just like a really good film, like well acted, the music's great, cinematography is revolutionary, you know, like it's, it's enthralling, like just on its own merits, not because of the messaging, but then the end's like, eh, white people are the master race. And you're like, oh man, I hate that. It's like watching a Woody Allen film now, <laughs> you know, like you're like, oh man, there's some weird themes in there. If you know who wrote it and you believe what they say about him or because like the messaging, I don't know if I agree with it. I don't know if I agree with this, this sort of like boilerplate carpe diem shoot for the stars, even if you miss or shoot for the moon, even if you miss, you'll land among the stars sort of like all of this all of this waiting and pain and turmoil is worth it to have even one year together sort of thing and maybe it's just like where i'm at right now in in my life that that makes me want something else because i couldn't even tell you how to make this film better is the other thing that frustrates me there's no clear answer for me i can't look at one day and be like well you know what they should have done because i don't know Mm-hmm. Just there's something there that is just like plainly unsatisfying about the way that it ends. Because if the movie ends with them just growing old together, it's satisfying and happy, but really substanceless. Because really, it's just the story. You know, if it had been made 10 years later by Greta Gerwig, it's the story of, of two millennial kids who get around to banging and then realize, and then, yeah, no, this is what I want. You know, which might be a good movie, but there's nothing, there's nothing there, you know, aside from just watching something to feel good. And so as a married man who is happily married and has been in a great relationship for since high school and has never had to deal with dating of any kind in any sort of real way. Like, I don't know. Is the movie just that 100% not directed at me? Is there no way I can apply any of that to my other life? I I don't know. I I really do think it's just a do what you want if you know what you want kind of thing. Like, and I don't know why it has to be anything more than that. I don't know either. But it just, it feels like it should have been. Mm. Because if it's just a do what you want, her dying at the end is just kind of cheap. It, 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 well, that's life. People die. But this is a film. It's not a documentary. And... She's she's a character in a film that we're supposed to identify with on some level. And her dying really just makes her the longest drawn out manic pixie dream girl I've ever seen in film. Because then the movie just becomes about Dexter. But it's a film about two people until it isn't. And then you realize that it's really just about Dexter. Because if it ended with her getting hit dying Dexter finding out and like collapsing in the hospital and then it fades to black and the credits roll then the movie has a clear end but because it has that epilogue I think where like she taught me to seize the day great that wasn't the epilogue it was more of a they had that little ending where he talks to the other guy and it's like everything's gonna be okay but then they do the whole what if the story happened this way and you're left wondering as it fades fades to black, what if the movie happened this way? I don't like that either. (laughs) Sorry. Like, because... Because then it just feels like you wasted my time as a a film. If, (laughs) If the hook at the end of the film is, what if we had made a different film... I just, you should have just made that film then. Why didn't you just make no. that one? I, uh, that's not the point. The point is looking at your life choices, figuring out where those choices are going to take you, 
if something goes wrong, figuring out where it went wrong and how you could have acted differently to get to your your uh, desired destination and, you know, sort of analyzing your life being like, if I, it's kind of like a butterfly effect kind of thing. If they had done this one thing differently, maybe they would have had more than just one year happily married, you know? So I don't think it's a matter of they decided not to make that version of the story. I think it's more the big picture of life can go so many different ways and you don't really know where those like divergences are. And so like when when something big happens, sometimes people will go back and say, I wonder what would have happened if I had done that instead of what I did. So it's just kind of a like a I guess a reflection on life in general. Like you can't go back and change things but you can learn something by looking back and saying okay what if I did that instead what if I had done that instead where would I be now so it's not so much a they chose not to make the version of the story that might have been better they're letting the character reflect on that and seeing how his life choices have gotten him to where he is okay I think where I'm getting hung up is narratively the story for me ends when she gets hit by a bus. Why? Because as far as I was concerned, the movie was about two people. And then when you kill off one of the characters and still have a significant chunk of film about the other character, it's, oh, this wasn't a film about two characters. It was a film about this guy. I don't think so because... Okay. Let me let me let me present it a different way. Imagine if in in book five of the Harry Potter series, Ron and Hermione got killed by Voldemort. But you still had book six and seven, and essentially the same thing happens. There's just no Ron and Hermione, right? Harry still falls in love with Ginny, still kills Voldemort, Snape kills Dumbledore, everything. It's no longer a story about these this three these three kids and their friendship and how they overcome evil. It's a story about Harry and along the way he knew some people who died. Right? It's 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 the superhero story where the sidekick dies so that he can become angry enough to punch the bad guy that much harder so that he defeats him. It's that that's what it felt like to me watching it where it was we need to kill off one of these characters so that the main character has the motivation to to do what he needs to do. Um, but throughout the film, up until she dies, she is treated like a main character. But after she dies, she is treated much like a narrative device for... The true main character, who is Dexter. That is how it appeared... That's how it felt to me. I don't think that one half of a couple dying makes it so that it's only about one person. Like, if I were to die, I don't think your life would just be about you. I think I would still be a big part of your life. Okay, but we're not a film. I'm talking about, like, in the structure of this story. As a film. If it were... Uh, uh... You know, a... A horse and a jockey, but the horse was anthropomorphized so that he could, like, talk... And, and and the the audience could identify with him, right? And so most of the movie is the, the horse and the jockey, and it's about their friendship. Horse and jockey, horse and jockey. And then at the end of the big race the horse dies. I'm realizing now this is this is the plot of the Iditarod movie. So we'll we'll just do that. You don't say that oh the Iditarod is about the friendship between a boy and his dog. No, it's about a boy winning a race. Because at the end, the dog runs so hard, he dies. It's the, the, the death leading to the epiphany of the other character that cheapens the narrative weight of the character who dies. 
especially with how much time at the end after her death they devote to the runtime of the film. Because a lot of the the stuff that we see about him afterward could have been implied just in seeing a really well-acted moment of despair upon him realizing that she was dead as he holds their newborn daughter or whatever, you know. Having the whole, like, hey, Daddy, have you ever been up to this hill before? Well, only once. It was about, I was there with, with a friend. Did I ever meet this friend, Daddy? Well, she was your mother. But that was his daughter with his ex-wife. Even still. Whatever. Like, yes, you knew her. She was my friend. The Again, I don't know how I can make it any clearer. Like, it makes her, the way that, that they handled her dying and him after her death, makes her auxiliary to his story. Okay. Her life was in service to his story. That's fine. Okay, so she's just a manic pixie dream girl. And that's frustrating to me. Because I thought she was an interesting character and deserved better than that. Okay. All right. Trivia time. What do you got for me? Well, I had more things I wanted what to did say. You want, what do you want to say? All right. Anne Hathaway was clandestinely given the script as director Lone Scherfig was not looking at any American actresses for the part of Emma. Hathaway flew to London for a meeting with Scherfig, which she described as, quote, the worst meeting of my life. I was just inarticulate. However, on leaving Lone, she handed her a list of songs that she felt represented how she would interpret the character. It was this list that landed her the part. So that's how an American got cast in. Oh. Well, that's a cute story. I like it. Why didn't they give her a, a speech coach? I don't know. Did they just, Like, what was the budget? Do they not have the budget for a speech coach? Like, how much does speech coach cost? Somebody email in. SharingEverythingShow at gmail.com. How much does speech coach cost and why couldn't they afford one? On location in Scotland, Anne Hathaway exposed her bottom to Jim Sturgis to set the mood for filming the skinny dipping scene. Though doing it in such a position as to avoid being filmed by the crew, she did not anticipate the presence of several cell phone-wielding residents of the residential complex behind her. (laughs) Surprisingly, as of August 2011, this footage had not been posted on the internet, and Hathaway says she's grateful that the residents had the class to refrain from doing so. The scene from... The scene where Dex and Emma go skinny dipping is the only scene in the film where Anne Hathaway and Jim Sturgis are not wearing wigs. What? I know. I thought that was kind of crazy. I mean, uh, I guess that they had to wear wigs because their hair just changes so much throughout the movie. I always thought about that as a kid. Like, how did they do the hair thing? Did they wait six months to film the end? No, they had wigs. There were some conversations about casting an American actress to play Dexter's English mother, but director Lone Scherfig really liked the sense of experience, worldliness, and flirtatiousness that Patricia Clarkson brought to the part. Anne Hathaway picked Jim Sturgis for the role of Dexter Mayhew. It was actually raining for the filming of the scene where Dex and Emma are vacationing on a French beach. The actors performed under a tarp in their swimsuits. Hmm. Uh, Dexter's father mentioned Silent Witness is coming up on the television Ken Stott, who plays Dexter's father, appeared in Silent Witness. There are a lot of trivia items about the skinny dipping scene. Uh, Ooh la la. In the scene where Emma and Dexter lie together on the bed in the French hotel after having skinny dipped, Emma can be seen wearing the same t-shirt with a nuclear disarmament now writing on it that she wore on the graduation night when she slept together with Dexter four years before their French trip. Who keeps a t-shirt for four years? I probably have old t-shirts like that. You have t-shirts that are way older than four years. Do I? Yes. You have t-shirts that you were wearing before I even met you still. Really? Yes. Like what t-shirts? I don't know. Some of your band t-shirts. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, those have held up. Um, hmm. I take it back. <laughs> the screenplay for this film was featured in the 2010 Blacklist, a list of the most like unmade scripts of the year. Uh, I don't know who that is. Uh, this was the second time Anne Hathaway played a character by the name of Emma. The first time was in Bride Wars alongside Kate Hudson. Coincidentally, Emma is a teacher in both movies. Is she a teacher in this movie? 
don't think she's ever a teacher. Mm, oh, wait, yes, she is. Yeah, because she wants to be a writer. Mm-hmm. And those who can't do teach. Dexter's 1990s television talk show is loosely based on the real-life talk show The Word with Mark Lamar. Like Dexter, Mark Lamar would engage in awkward interviews with popular rap artists. In Patricia Clarkson's final scene, the lighting of her close-ups gradually gets brighter and brighter to signify the character's imminent death. Hmm. Because she's going into the light? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And that's it. Cool. You got anything else? Oh, well, I don't know. I kind of wanted to talk about, uh, like, I don't know. I guess I wanted to talk more about how I thought this was a more real-life kind of story, but you didn't really want to talk about that. And <laughs> I mean, we can, we can talk about Slice of Life. That's fine. Um, okay. All right. I guess I'm just so so horribly opinioned that I'm not worth discussing things with. That's fine. Oh my gosh, no. I just I don't know. Like um do you feel like the characters having had other marriages and relationships throughout their stories did that like sort of dampen their true love? whatever between the two of them i mean i can't relate to that obviously but mm-hmm. like no like the idea of, of true love and stories it's interesting that you're like this is this is a real life story with true love but no like you know if if someone's too afraid to go after someone and someone's not too afraid to go after them and that the someone doesn't happen to be the same person like no like you know it's, uh, it's like the song. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. Mm-hmm. Like what you're doing. Oh, come on. <laughs> and I just wanted to talk about like Dexter's career and stuff. I just thought a lot of that was really funny. Uh, do you, you see a little bit, little bit of like, oh, that's Joe in five years? No. He's going to be on some lousy TV show because he can't get a real broadcasting gig. No. No? What 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 about it? Just just that it was an interesting sort of thing. That that narratively it was interesting that he was making like a low sort of communication media when when his true love was wanted to be a writer. I didn't even really think about that, but like I don't know. It just I feel like it characterized Dexter really well. Um, like he was sort of. He seemed like the kind of person who didn't know what he wanted, but he wanted it really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it was just kind of interesting how he he thought that he was so great at being that television host and what he wanted. Like he thought that everybody was in love with him and thought that he was the next greatest thing ever. And really, he was just so deaf to all of that. He's like mm-hmm. uh, to all the criticism and everything and it just sort of made me wonder if it was kind of like a parallel to his relationship with Emma but sort of the opposite like he thought that she could never love him Mm -hmm. because of how who and how he was but really she loved him exactly how he was but he was trying so hard to be somebody else when I don't know I don't know if that makes any sense no I I agree that that yeah like He's putting on a mask to to be that guy for the TV show mm-hmm. uh, because he's not confident with who he is. But but ironically, the mask that he's putting on is is pulling him away from the people who love him as he truly is. Which, if you're going to accept yourself as you truly are, you need to to be with those people rather than people who would rather you be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it parallels Emma, who who puts on the mask of someone who's not in love with him, while she is in love with him. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like there's some kind of significance to uh, Dexter's mom. Um, she seems kind of Emma like, 
um, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I wonder if her dying sort of foreshadows Emma dying. Because sure. she's, like, the most significant female in Dexter's life, I guess, until he gets married. But I don't know. Yeah, and you get that scene... After Emma dies, where where Dexter and his dad are basically mm-hmm. wearing the same thing in a dark room, <laughs> watching TV with a beer, yeah. and he kind of realizes, like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Especially since he didn't have a good relationship with his dad. It's that moment that all men come to where they realize that they are becoming their father, even though they've always hated their father. Um, so, yeah, that, like, that was, you know... A, a useful device to help with the epiphany since Emma dying didn't quite do it enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you think of Emma's first husband? Oh, <laughs> poor guy. Kind of the same thing I feel about the character Ed in Big Little Lies. Yeah. Just like, oh man. The one, my favorite part of the movie, ironically enough, was the scene with him and Dexter. Yeah. At the end. Where where Dexter says, you know, I'll I'll keep in touch, and he responds with, "No, That's I think fine. I, I think we're done here." <laughs> like I love hard outs to relationships like that, where you're just like, "I think I gotten everything I need from you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> uh, I I I think that that is great because again. In, in a slice of life thing, that's actually more fantastical because I feel like people tend to drag out relationships until they become some sort of toxic bile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's something that people should do more. I think people should hard end relationships more often than they do. Like, especially if it's a person who you think or even know you'll see around. Like, if you're done with a person, man, just be done. Just just cut it off. Cut the cut the tie. Because people are so afraid of burning bridges. These kids today with their Instagrams and their friend requests and their Venmos. Like, like that that actually has nothing to do with the movie and more to do with how I how I just view the world today. This is how art is reflecting on life mm-hmm. to me, where it's like that needs to happen more. Like and guiltlessly too, like that relationship ended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like... I don't know. I couldn't decide if I liked him or not because he didn't really seem to be that great of a guy. Yeah. I mean, sometimes just being in love with someone isn't enough to make you a good partner. Yeah. Otherwise, she would have fallen in love with him enough to get over Dexter, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like... And that scene where after they broke up, I don't think they were divorced yet, but he was just in her apartment and mm-hmm. when she got home and he was just like very belligerent. Yeah. Well, and he had that, he had this, uh, the parallel to Dexter too, because they were both showmen in one mm-hmm. form or another and both sort of failing at it mm-hmm. uh, with varying levels of grace and success before the failure. Mm-hmm. You know, a person who's successful, who's failing out of something, has a little bit longer shelf life than someone who has never been successful, who just has always failed and continues to keep failing. Mm-hmm. Which which goes, again, with the thing that I, I sort of feel that maybe this movie should have said, which is, like, if you're that unsure or if something is taking that long to happen, maybe it just ain't for you. Which is such a different idea than media has given us. Media never gives us the idea that maybe you should give up and try something else. <laughs> that is, you will never watch a movie for children that has that message. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, it came out of the Republican Party somehow. You know, like, there, there, there's, there's no movie where it's like, teenage girl wants to be a singer, realizes she should probably just work in a factory instead. Yeah. I don't know. I hadn't thought about that, though, that there's the parallel between Dexter and that the other guy. I can't even think of his name. Well, and that's what happens 
I think in life uh, a little bit, and, and in movies a lot, where it's like, well, I can't have this person, so I'm going to find whoever I can with as many qualities and then overlook the things that aren't like that or try to breed them out of that person so I can mold this person into being the person that I want. I mean, you get that in relationships where, like anyway, where it's, you know, all these weird expectations that someone has. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, you see this on, like, teen social media a lot, where it's like, girls want guys to be this way, this way, this way, and this way, yet, mm-hmm. she, yet she'll date someone who's exactly the opposite. There's there's an episode of the Little Romeo show like that, where <laughs> where he, he tried to be much more gangster than he was because the girl that he had a crush on wanted to date thugs so that she could save them. Mm-hmm. Uh... So yeah, no, I liked that idea of the the guy who who she ended up marrying was caught rate. Mm-hmm. Dexter. Yeah. Again, proving my point. I love so many things about this movie. <laughs> this is a well-crafted story until the the cheap shot at the end. Mm. And like I don't even feel like, well, that's the point. You know, because a lot of times we'll get an unsatisfying ending and I'll be satisfied because that's the point. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, oh, that's the joke. Mm-hmm. You know. But that wasn't the joke. Well, Nobody's laughing. I'm sorry you didn't like it. No, I'm telling you, I like the film. I meant the ending. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't like the ending. It's okay. Right. I'm happy I watched it and I'm happy you shared it with me. Good. And I'm excited for you to tell me all the ways you didn't like the the movie that we watched for our next episode. <laughs> that hasn't happened yet. Oh yeah, we haven't we haven't watched the game yet. Hey, we haven't, we haven't watched the David Fincher film, The Game. Oh no, starring Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. We haven't seen it yet. Katie doesn't know anything about it. Shh. <laughs> we definitely didn't watch it because we saw Game Night the other day and there's a lot of parallels in those movies down to the opening credit sequence mm-hmm. you're giving away all of our secrets did, did you notice that how is like monopoly pieces hey, in one movie hey we, we can talk about that next time okay i'm really afraid you're gonna pull this off the desk this is the asmr part of so because you haven't already mentioned it what are you planning to show me next week um heck you know, I have like six movies I want to show you. Yeah? I don't know. Maybe if, if sometime between now and a week from now, we go to the movie theater and, and see a Jason Bateman film, <laughs> and, and that like sparks an idea in my head, maybe we'll watch that. Um, I don't know. I really want to sh- show you a Z and Two Knots. I really want to show you The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. Uh, I feel like we should watch Creep. I'd like to watch Creep. Should we watch Creep next week? No, not Creep. We can save that. Because we need, we need like, Halloween movies, too, and I haven't been watching horror movies a lot lately. Um, I mean, there's other Peter Greenway films I could show you. I have a feeling I know which one we're going to land on. Uh, you know, like, I could always go back to old David Fincher, because I feel like old David Fincher, um, not necessarily is better, but I don't know. Like... I feel like there's, like, this trend in cinematography that, that David Fincher started, and I feel like going back to the 90s and watching a David Fincher movie would be would be useful to sort of inform how we watch, th- th- like, that sort of cinematography moving forward. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe let's watch the game. Okay. It's got, I, I, sold. It's, I am sold. Let's watch the game. It's got that guy can't remember his name he was in all of those sex dramas like basic instinct and, and naked ambition and michael douglas yep, that's that it. guy and then the guy who looks like who looks sean like penn. who looks like screech sean but penn. grown up sean and penn. almost handsome sean penn sean penn that's <laughs> right yeah let's watch the game okay all right all right well until then uh-huh <laughs> how can people contact us i don't know why would they want to? Sharing everything show at gmail.com <laughs> or noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything. Until then, keep talking. Oh, heck, I haven't started <laughs> playing the music yet. That was supposed to be your cue. It was. 
What was the cue? When I said the same thing twice. What thing? What did you say? Until then. Did you say until then twice? I did. You have now. Hold on. <laughs> Hold oh, on. Boy. Donate to our non-existent Patreon so that we can get a higher producer to do this for us. Until then, keep talking. Mm-hmm. Keep sharing. Uh-huh. Oh, wait. Oh, keep talking. Uh-huh. Keep loving. Uh-huh. And keep sharing. And look both ways before you cross the street. <laughs>